And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. I am joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for £2 a month for 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod and sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, absolutely racing through the start here, Sam, because I want to get into uh, the kind of the week as a whole. Because it, it, in many ways, it, it, it's kind of good that we pushed the show back to the Friday after, that, uh, after what happened on New Year's Eve against Everton and then how it unfolded against Chelsea, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I suppose it is. I mean... It's it's one of those though, isn't it? Like the the issues and the the good things are the same, um, regardless of when we've done it. Um, it's it is good to get one in, yeah. After after this Chelsea game, uh, it's a weird match, wasn't it? Very it was very a, weird. <laughs> it was a weird one. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. Um, not you know normally after defeats or draws or whatever, I'm like ah, it's fine. But it was after a win like that, I was like, are they? <laughs> are they going to be? Are they going to be all right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, just I, I'm not. I'm not saying I doubt their title credentials or whatever because I still, I do, I do still think they'll win it. But it's like as long as that was a kind of turning point. Okay, the most important thing was three points. We did that. Now we're going to start playing well again. Yeah, and great. But it's like, are they going to play like that against United and Spurs and Arsenal? <laughs> um, I hope yeah, not. I don't know. I, I doubt it. I doubt it. But it's, it, it is. It was. An, it was a mad game. Um, interesting couple of games, and yeah, from going from that post Leeds situation of saying, "Look, this Grealish and Morris thing, get used to it because it's really important." Now it's like it's just so bloody obvious how important it is to yeah. Guardiola, and, and it's almost like the default option now, isn't it? Yeah, and well, I suppose it'll be. It'll be one of those things where you'll ask me. Five or six different questions on this podcast, and then they will all come back to Grealish and Mahrez. Grealish yeah. and Mahrez. but could still be fun though. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let's start with a sit rep because um, it was panic stations a little bit after the draw against Everton. Um, Arsenal then drew with Newcastle and City go on to beat Chelsea, so it's back in City's own hands again. And it, I, I hate that phrase at this stage of the season, but it is. They yeah, play, yeah, they, yeah. They, they I play saw Arsenal it on the twice. Thing. I was like, what? Yeah. Well, they play Arsenal twice. It's five points, yeah. so it's like it's all well, all's well that ends well. Um, yeah. I think it's it's important at this stage as well. No matter what happens to that gap at the top of the table in the next few weeks, it's repu- it's important to remember that there's still at this point more than half a season to go. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, when people start talking like eight points, five, it doesn't matter. Like I've said this before, but I don't even think I'd be that bothered about five point gap, whether it was for City or against City in like April. Things just, things just change so quickly, and yeah, there's there's so many. So many games to go. God, um, Stones was saying after the game, he's like, you know, we don't really look at the table. It's like the manager said before the game, there's like 66 points or whatever to play for. 63 now. Um, that, that, that's as simple as it is, really. Yeah. Um, seriously, though, Sam, let's let's talk performances because uh, Everton, I, I mean, 
were the problems the same against Everton and Chelsea, or were they different but for similar reasons? Or like, I'm trying to put my finger on how these two games kind of fit hand in hand because I wasn't happy with the performance against Everton. I wasn't yeah. happy with the performance against Chelsea, but you kind of take it because they got the points. Like, what was the problem in though across those games? Well, I mean, so. It- the Everton game's quite funny because so I've I've basically it feels like I've been off for ages, but I've had a week off basically since the Leeds game, a week off, and then because of the trains situation, we thought the train situation was going to be worse, and then because we got Mark Critchley joining, um, and I'm sure he'll be on these podcasts very soon. Um, it was like, well, Sam, don't go to the Chelsea game because of the because of the trains. And then they were like, oh, we'll just get Mark, Mark to do the game, you know, so we can get used to, you know, writing for us and what it's all yeah. about. So I've not done the last two games, but I've seen them. But the Everton game, obviously, it wasn't on TV. And I, I saw it, you know, via, via means where I was able to see it. But <laughs> it, it's funny because, you know, you know, there's always games at the Etihad, not always, but always per season, there's like one or two games at the Etihad, maybe more, where the fans are like really pissed off with the ref. Really yeah, 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 and yeah, I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, the ref was normal. In most cases, I'm like, the ref was fine. Was I think what people were frustrated with was any number of things from you know City passing too slowly or not playing well enough or whatever. But it was just all taken out on you know the opposition goalkeeper time wasting, and it, it's always kind of centered around the ref not booking the opposition goalkeeper, isn't it? Really, and that the frustration grows, and the ref becomes the focal point for it. But it's all just kind of based around that frustration, and obviously because I'm there. And I mean, I'm invested in City's performances, but in a different way. You know, I, I couldn't tell you I go to the games and I want them to win as much as you know, sixty thousand people in that stadium. Before you say the next bit, can I just uh, kind of lay my cards on the table because I was, I was really, really I was really, really frustrated with the refereeing against Everton. Um, well, this is and, where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking because I didn't go. Like, if I'd have been in the stadium and it had been the not my normal kind of, you know, just get, I'm going to the game, I'm working it. This is, you know, this is how it's going to be. This is what I'm doing. I, I may have been the same. Like, I don't know what you're worried about, and maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe the referee would have been terrible, but my perception of it would have been different. But because I was at my mom's house setting up, um, not related to the game, it is setting up a <laughs> fire stick and a VPN and blah blah blah. While my son's going, I want to watch Little Angel. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but he's my son's very good, even at two, nearly three. Knowing that if football's on, he's he's an absolute champ about it. Like he can do loads of other things, and he won't complain. But I, he didn't understand because the football wasn't immediately on the TV, and he said I was messing around with downloads, etc. Oh, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, on little angel. I was like, yeah, there's going to be, there will be football on. I'm just sorting out the football. <laughs> but and it was all these kind of things. And you know when you like, you know when you recommend like a TV show to like a partner or a friend or something and you're watching it with them, maybe like an album or something. I've never really done that, but I always see memes about that. And you kind of, you get this guilt or you kind of feel like responsible for it. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like you're watching yeah. it. You're watching it and you're thinking, oh God, I bet they didn't actually like that. But do you and, not get, you get annoyed when they look at the phone and stuff like that though? Yeah, stuff like that. But so, and like, I was with my wife and I was with my mom's. So my mom was there as well. And they're both football fans. They don't mind watching football. And more than don't mind watching it, and like especially in like my wife's case, like would be quite keen to watch City, but this fucking streams buffering, um, jumping all over the place, like cutting off. I'd find another one, and I was just felt like I'm here on New Year's Eve, making everyone watch this game, um, 
it's just it was a stressful situation. So then going to the actual game itself, when that linesman couldn't get his microphone working, I wanted to walk to the Etihad and drag him <laughs> off the fucking pitch. Because the other thing is, I'm so impatient for stuff like that. I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't. It doesn't need it. Like he doesn't need to speak to the ref. Like if it's taken this long, carry on without it. If you need to speak to him, call him over. Like, yeah. How often do they need to do it? And I'm, I'm sure they need to do it all the time. But I was so pissed off. And then obviously, with all the, like, there was a lot of time wasting, and the game was so bitty. And I, I can't even remember specifics, but I remember thinking this fucking ref. And I was stressed about the game itself. Like, and I was like, this isn't. That's not like, this you. isn't how I normally watch yeah. games. This is how I normally feel about games. Even when City are playing like that or chasing a result or whatever, because, you know, there's been plenty of games similar to that over the years. And I was like, isn't it funny how kind of the fact is not necessarily related to that game? Obviously, like the, the linesman Mike thing was. But my kind of feelings of stress about other things affect how I feel about the game and affect how I feel generally. Because at the end of the game, my son, he was like falling off the sofa and getting my wife to like ring me and she was going ring 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 and I was like yeah and he was like it's Leo he's falling into the sea again can you come and pick him up so I was pick him up and it was like 20 times in like during injury time and this stream was about eight minutes behind reality as well so yeah. I was like I could easily just check my phone and see what happened but I was just so stressed about the whole thing like I wasn't angry with my son but I was like oh I wish he'd just stop fucking doing this I just, <laughs> and I was it was just funny how my kind of emotional state affected how I saw that game and I came away from that game thinking the same as everyone else like oh the ref was this but by the way like, I was thinking how bad were they how yeah. bad was De Bruyne De Bruyne was awful like, bloody awful and I mean he's had some stinkers hasn't he even this season he's had such a weird season hasn't he because he's, he's either doing 10 out of 10s or like 1 out of 10s and the problem with Sane was like he was either like 10 out of 10 or like 3 out of 10 but he wasn't he wasn't like stinking the place out like De Bruyne does because obviously De Bruyne gets on the ball so much more and he's so central um, but he was shocking and then yeah so as you can tell from all that waffle it wasn't the ideal situation to watch the game in terms of how I was kind of taking it in but also I didn't feel like I fully grasped what was going on in the game because the streams were so shit so yeah. I, I'm not, I can't analyse fully what happened but then I think kind of overall themes are, you know, Guardiola did an interview on Sky yesterday and he was like, look, it's, it's just kind of, and this was before the game. So it wasn't, oh, I mean, obviously it was after the Everton game. So may, maybe you could say he was like making excuses or whatever. But it's obvious that, you know, players are coming back from the World Cup in different states. Like the ones he brought, brought back in last night, Foden, Cancelo and, and Walker. They were crap for the most part. Foden was better in the second half before he got taken off anyway. Um, but it just looked like they hadn't played football in ages and they hadn't. And, you know, he talked before the game, you know, because I've been off, I, I've not seen every press conference, but I was talking to my mate the other day and he was like, oh, he goes, oh, yeah. and he's not a City fan. In fact, he's a United fan and he's, he's not really bothered. But he was oh, yeah, Pep was saying about body language, wasn't he, one of his press conferences. Was, oh, was he? I was like, that's interesting. And then he messaged me yesterday when Pep did the Sky interview and he said it again. And it's all these little things about, you know how we always say there's a million things that going into picking the team that we'd never realise. And that Burnley game last season when Mares didn't qualify for the World Cup and he came back and he was upset and Pep didn't play it. Stuff like that. Like It's that, but every player in the squad, basically. Yeah. And then the players who did stay behind haven't played for a month. And everything's just kind of... I don't know. I mean, maybe this is a generalisation or maybe I'm just being generous, but I don't know. I think it's probably fair to cut them a bit of slack while while things just settle down. And when you've got key players like Walker, Cancelo and Foden only just coming back in when we've all forgotten about the World Cup 
You know, I was saying, look, soon enough it'll be the 14th of Jan, we'll have played loads of games and forgotten about it. And that's most likely going to be the case. You know, they got Southampton, well, they got Chelsea, Southampton, and then United until then. But it's still the sixth now, as we speak. And those three key players have only just come back. And they're still obviously rusty. But if we're looking at themes between why they were kind of kind of poor and uninspiring against Everton, and then last night, which was just, I could have done, I was thinking, if I was doing this game, I could do an absolute dossier on just sloppiness. And it's not necessarily related to the lineup or the formation or who's doing what. Just getting into the final third and going, if you just nick that ball on, you've lost it. Oh, they've won it back in the good. Oh, they've lost it again. I'll just play it. Oh, you've lost it. It was every, it was basically every pass in the final third was bad, apart from the one from Gundogan through to Haaland when Haaland clipped it over the bar. Yeah. And it was just so sloppy. Um, and then you just think of all the various factors that could be. Cancelo. Well, Cancelo is an interesting one because Guardiola uh, kind of admitted after the game, didn't he, that I think he said, I feel so sorry for Zhao because I thought he could do it, but he couldn't. And like, for whatever reason, coming back from the World Cup, yeah, just not ready, familiar yeah. position, just not ready, didn't work. And Rod- he said this similar about Rodri, you know, the hybrid centre-back, centre-mid thing didn't work. And obviously Chelsea with their foot on the brake with the pace, you know, it could have, you know, it could have exposed him there. Um, but there was, just so many different reasons for that. And sometimes they're just sloppy. But then it's interesting because before the World Cup, I thought the biggest problem against Brentford was sloppiness. And City ended up losing control of that game. Like they lost control against Chelsea. Not really against Everton, I don't think. Because they weren't necessarily rushing the passes. You know, because, you know, Guardiola talked about patience and we're slowly drifting back here towards Mahrez and Grealish. They weren't rushing the passes so much. They were just giving them away. They just weren't playing well uh, but the effect's the same if you're losing the ball on the edge of the box you're losing the ball on the edge of the box it doesn't matter whether you're rushing or you're just giving it away poorly obviously Rodri's a good example of that from the Everton game he just gave the ball away and Everton scored that can happen and that's kind of that's obviously going back to the Grealish and Mares thing it's just slowing the game down and not rushing it not forcing it it's playing kind of controlled secure safe yeah, controlled passes, because is, isn't there isn't there a question that you, well, you can ask about Grealish yeah. and Mahrez? Then I, we can we can then answer directly, and then it'll kind of tie everything into. And there's a point about the Everton game, which if I forget to make it, try and remind me because I said it was like poor and uninspired, but that kind of contradicts with something I put in my article after the Leeds game about how when when City play that way, often it does look poor and uninspired, but it's kind of supposed to. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I've made the point now. <laughs> that's yeah. it. You don't need to remind me. I've done it. <laughs> but it's like that's kind of what they're looking for. You know, they they want to slow the game down, and if they win one nil, they'll be delighted. And obviously, a stones, you know, stones head or hitting the post and whatever chance in the last minute with Rodri, they weren't great overall. I'm not saying they're saying it was a great performance, but you know, one of them was saying one, one yeah, chance. It wasn't barely a chance, and it kind of it's more it's more the the vibe of the performance. So in all this context of players coming back from the World Cup. Not not everyone's kind of sure what's happening, you know, in terms of who's playing well, who isn't, fitness problems, this kind of thing. To kind of play that way with Grealish and Mahrez as the kind of embodiment of this, but it's not just them. It's it's how Guardiola wants to play. Playing like that against Everton and looking rubbish. It's kind of not how it's they're not, they're not supposed to look rubbish, but it's not supposed to look fun, really. 
Yeah, I guess it's vibes of the season though in, the, in this week, really, because Absolutely. as much as 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 the performance against Everton was bad, they had the chances to win it. As much as the you know that they won against Chelsea, he got bad vibes from the game and the way that that it ended. I mean, mm. let, let, let's bring in this from Liam on Twitter, who says, um, "Why does Pat now see this setup as necessary? What's yeah. happened to make him move away from our regular system?" I remember the United mm. game was waiting for that front three to play again, and they never had. Uh, is this yeah. just while they recover from the World Cup, or do you think? it's more permanent yeah well see obviously i'm not i'm not certain about this i've i've not i've not even well i mean over the course of the season you get little bits and pieces so i can't sit here and say certainly this is what pep's doing but i've got very clear ideas on what i think pep's doing and again this guy interview before the game so last night was great because there was just so so much stuff happened and so many words were said that kind of just explain what city you're trying to do this season and make my job easier because i see my job as kind of Obviously, the news and who's going, who's, what's happening here, what's happening there. But on the pitch, I want to be able to say, oh, okay, this is what they're doing this season because it's always slightly different. And you know, normally, you know, you crack it early on in the season and it, it just kind of carries on. But City so is still kind of finding out ways or trying to find ways of playing now, and they're not kind of as well, set in what they want to do as they normally are. And also in terms of what fans and also people who aren't fans, but what City think about City is miles off where what they're actually trying. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, well, I saw an, I saw a non-City fan um, during the Chelsea game tweet um, that uh, they actually said something like, I can't believe City have broken their entire system trying to fit a freak robot in as a striker. And mm. I don't think it's as simple as that. I think, like, because... Well, it, that's it, interesting, because I kind of do. Well, I, I mean, because I, what, I, what I take from it is that, ultimately, I'm, I'm quite relaxed about it all, because... 
I, I don't necessarily think they've broken the entire system because I think because no, no, no. I, I, I think the system from the last two years, the false nine setup was. I mean, it's a phrase that I've I've written for something else, but it, it you know it was a it was a great solution to a problem that should never have existed in the first place. They should have replaced Aguero earlier than they did, and they didn't, and then they found a solution to that problem. Now. Yeah. Having restructured to with that solution, they ha- now have a centre forward. They are simply just finding the solution to to that to that latest problem. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's that's exactly it. So, in terms of last night being great for examples and quotes and stuff, it was perfect. And that, I mean, maybe I should watch games on TV more often because if I was at the stadium, I wouldn't have seen any of this. But <laughs> when Guardiola said beforehand, because Karen Carney asked him how they've kind of adjusted to Haaland, and he was like, in recent years we've played with a false nine and we've had the extra man in midfield. He was like, now the extra man's in the box. So we've had to adjust something. But then he kind of just went off into, we were very happy with Haaland and he scored loads of goals and he's great. But obviously, if he'd gone down the route of explaining what they'd adjusted, that would be the key to the whole thing. So again, I always say this, I always use this example and I always kind of apologise for it, but it's just after the Newcastle game, isn't it? So what's changed? It kind of, I think... I, I mean, Pep would have had an inkling anyway, well, and more than an inkling, Jesus. He, he obviously knew that instead of having a false <laughs> nine, they were going to have somebody in the box. So, yeah, so yeah. they needed something to, because he obviously wants that control. Because maybe he could just say, look, we're not having this control anymore. We're just going to go the other way and we'll just fly through teams. But then, you know, but when they're playing behind the 10 men behind the ball, like Everton did, then are you flying through? How, where? So there's that element to it as well. You're kind of obliged to play the... A, like a slower game because and like you can't move the ball quickly there's nowhere to move it to really um it's just doing it at the right time and sometimes that's the issue is it but bad that my that that my first not. thought to that was uh, what's kevin keegan up to these days yeah well everyone <laughs> could, 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 well, could I mean, get him on the coaching staff well the thing is anyone who's young is not going to understand the ma- most references in football anymore and then anyone our age isn't kind of kind of <laughs> know what the memes are anyway. But the Kevin Keegan idea of, yeah, you score three, we'll score four kind of thing. That is something that a lot of people will kind of identify with and maybe just think, well, we've got Harland, we've got Foden, we've got blah, blah, blah. Let's just, and like, we've got Grealish. Let's get Grealish to like run at everyone like he used to do at Villa where everyone loves it for. Let's just do that. But obviously Guardiola's gone, well, I like this control. This control has got us a couple of Premier League titles at least, obviously, but it wasn't so pronounced, I'd say, for the first couple, for yeah. the last couple it has been. And obviously getting to the Champions League final, getting so close to the second one last year, all that kind of thing has come from that control. So he was like, right, so how do we get this control without having this extra man? And then, so he obviously knew that going into the season. And then Newcastle happened. I I do think, again, this is this is me definitely applying narrative to it. So maybe maybe it's not so much of a big turning point for Pep and the team as it is for us and our understanding of it and the timeline of our understanding of it. But that Newcastle game was obviously chaos, wasn't it? Like You don't see City games like that. And in the end, City could have won. Well, they brought it back to three all with like 20 minutes left, didn't they? Like they could have won and they still had the, not necessarily the chances to do it, but they did get control of the game again. Um, but afterwards, Guardiola was like, look, we've got, he's like, Erling goes, um, Phil goes, and he was like, when you've got somebody like Grealish who was injured, he goes, or Mares or Bernardo playing on the right. And to be fair, Bernardo, I think, did play on the right. He was like, they slow the game down and they help us be together. And the problem against Newcastle, I'll, I'll try and be brief because I did put this in the article last week, but basically, if you go, as in Foden runs forward and Harden runs forward, and it was almost as if City were, too good for their own good against Newcastle because they kept breaking the lines. They kept going, as far as I remember, from like whoever played centre-back, was it Laporte? Laporte plays those passes better than anyone. Like They almost managed to find 
the route from the centre-backs to like Gundogan and then Gundogan could turn and then play it into the forwards and the forwards go and have a shot. And it was like they were so good at doing that, but then they didn't finish it. And then when they didn't finish it, Newcastle had the ball and they counter-attacked really quickly. And because it all happened so quickly from City, let's say Laporte was, it might not have even been him, but whoever it was, and this is just an example, let's say he was 40 yards or 30 yards from Gundogan, fires it into Gundogan's feet. Gundogan turns, plays it 20, 25 yards in behind the defence for Foden to run onto or Haaland to run onto. Think about those distances then. That City team is about 65 yards spread out from yeah. front to back. And obviously by the time you know they've all kind of advanced up the pitch together or maybe because the forwards have attacked quicker, it's got to what, 70, 80 maybe. And they think, hold on a minute, there's massive spaces. So why did Stones look terrible? And why did Walker look terrible? Okay, arguably, they they could have and should have cope better one-on-one with particularly Sad Maximin. But they were one-on-one because they got past Rodri because there was no setup there. There was no counter-press because all the players who were trying to score were kind of scattered around. So Newcastle, and the other thing is with these counter-attack goals, I always think about, about it when City play Leicester. Sometimes it's not necessarily things that City or any other team could do better to stop them. Like Teams like Leicester and now Newcastle are really good at playing on the counter-attack. They're really good at like they played one, two passes quickly and they set off like Kovacic last night. As soon as he got the ball, he was really good at wriggling out of pressure and playing through it. But if you can't, if you haven't got people in position to counter press anyway, then they're just going to waltz through, play a ball out to San Maximum, and then he's running at you one on one. And Guardiola said after the game, it's basically just comes down to Edison then. You're hoping that Edison saves you. Because it's not De Bruyne and Bernardo counter pressing, it's not Rodri making a tackle, it's not Walker and. Stones being able to crowd somebody out. It's just one-on-one. So it's, it's going all the way back to Edison. And that was the issue. And it kept happening. City kept finding the spaces in the game. So they kept going for it. And they kept stringing themselves out. And there were so many spaces to attack. Um, the other team could count the other way. And you, then you don't have control. It becomes end-to-end. Yeah. And that's how it happens. And so, okay, that's one example. But think about if that kept happening. Think about if City kept playing that way. With Haaland and Foden... Uh, and let's say Grealish let off the leash and they kept and, and not just the personnel but how, how they're told to play yeah, yeah, just go and kill them, run through them. if they if they played like that and it would be obviously De Bruyne constantly putting balls in behind and the team like Cancelo constantly looking over the top from when we were talking at the start of the season about looking how for Haaland like Cancelo early, and Walker were early, trying to look yeah. for Haaland over the top it was probably only like the first four or five games but it probably happened on average three times a game, which isn't a lot, but it was just very strange to see all of a sudden City got the ball at the back and they just put it over the top and it's got nowhere near Haaland and that Palace game was a great example in the first half because there were some shockers and Walker, remember Walker basically just like booted at him, missed him and just went out for a goal kick Yeah, and it was like, what on earth was that? So it's it's those kind of things. Imagine, it's a bit of an exaggerated alternative, but if City were playing that way, imagine what all these games would descend into. Like the and maybe City would still win, and this is it. Maybe City would still win, and there'd be fun games. Everyone would love watching City because they're fun games. There's always loads of goals in them, um, and it's yeah, it's just it's just good entertainment. But bring it back to what how Guardiola is and what he wants, and also crucially, this isn't some idiot who's coming and go. Oh, okay, well, this is what he wants, so let him crack on. It's been very successful. So if he wants it and it's got a track record, then crack on. Guardiola doesn't want that. He wants that control. And so what's the alternative? All right, we've got Haaland now. So 
or putting Grealish and Mares, or it could be Grealish and Bernardo, or it could be Bernardo and Mares, I suppose, at a push, or it could even be you know playing Foden maybe, but just being like just change what you do, change how you play, which is he's capable of. We talked about that Manchester derby last season at Old Trafford when everybody wanted Foden to kind of rinse Juan Bissaka in the second half, but he just stayed wide, got the ball, held his position, side, yeah. held his position, all that, and the chances did come, and he did have a couple of opportunities, or at least one opportunity in the second half. You know, when he gets the ball on the left. And he tries to drag the shot towards the far post, like he scored with Anfield a couple of years ago. But he missed the far post a couple of times at the, in the derby. And so Foden is capable of doing that. But obviously coming back from the World Cup, the body language, Guardiola saying people's heads need to be in the right place. You know, I think there's some of those kind of issues around some of the players who haven't played recently. Um, and so it's this kind of perfect storm at the moment where Guardiola's always wanted this control. He knows they need to adjust to Haaland somehow. And it's basically, I don't know, this is maybe an oversimplification, but to kind of balance. It's not to kind of um, take the edge off Haaland, but it's kind of to to balance it because he's so direct and because the the temptation is there so much. And temptation's another interesting thing, which I might come back to. The temptation's there to find him and because he's always making those runs in behind. It's it's just counterbalancing it. It's like, well, how are we going to slow the rest of the team down to kind of fit all this in together? So we've still got Haaland in the box scoring loads of goals, and he has been doing that. And we've still got this control. And they haven't always achieved that, but it's, it's been far from terrible, has it? They're still having a good season. Obviously, the last couple of results have tempered that slightly, but they're still having a very good season considering they won the last two titles. They could have easily been complacent. They could have easily you know, adapted to Haaland worse. So basically, they're slowing the rest of the game down because you don't want those 60, 70-yard gaps between everyone. You'll come up the pitch at the same time. If you lose the ball, De Bruyne is there to close down straight away. Bernardo's there to close down straight away. If they get through them, at least you've got Rodri, and Rodri's supported by you know, Ake or whoever it may be Like last night if it had been on the other side of the pitch, the, that left side. you just got everyone in their right position. So if you do lose it, you're going to try and win it back as quickly as possible. You can force them out wide at least. You can win it back. You can make a foul, whatever. There's people around. But there was no people around. There was no bodies around in that Newcastle game and these hypothetical other games where it could go like that. So I think I said I'll try and be brief. But look, that's just the nub <laughs> of it. Like, that's just how it is. And we talk about Guardiola and the subs. Do you remember after the Spurs Champions League game, the one in London? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, when he... Sane and De Bruyne didn't play. And this, that's a whole other rabbit hole because, you know, he was keeping them for Palace. But then but, they, came, they came on on like the 88th like minute. Eight, yeah, or like 89th or whatever. And the thinking there was, well, I don't want to bring on these guys. And the rest of the team think, oh, shit, we're going for it. Because what happens if you go for it? You pile forward, you start playing those impatient passes, you lose the ball, you suffer a counter-attack, and it goes 2-0. And look, that's worst-case scenario thinking. But that's how Guardiola thinks, isn't it? Or at least, I don't want that to happen, so we're not going to let that happen. We're yeah. going to bring these guys on, but we're going to try and we're going to try and do this in about four minutes. But then, because we, we are going to go for it, but we don't want it to go on too long. And then that's that's what came into my head against Everton when he yeah, made the well, changes late. I was going to bring the Everton game in because um, obviously that the changes were late in that game, and a lot of the fans wanted to see. I mean, a lot of the fans wanted to see a bit more width on the on the pitch. And the problem that that City had seemed to have against Everton was that they had no fullbacks going around the outside because Ake is not really built for that when he's playing left back, and Lewis was coming mm. inside to to hold the midfield. And then with Grealish and, uh, and Mares on the flanks, they're naturally coming in anyway. And they like the clamour in the stadium was for somebody to get out wide, somebody like Foden to hug the touchline and, and stretch the pitch a bit, create a bit more space for, for City to get in I didn't realise that. 
And I, what I found really interesting about the Chelsea game was, I mean, first off, a double substitution at halftime is just not Guardiola at all. And then yeah. followed by, a, a you know, a, a, another change on the hour. I think that was a double substitution as well. Um, like, suddenly he's making, what, four changes there before the hour mark. And like it's clearly correcting a system that he's not happy with because you know we've talked in the past about rhythm and and why we're not making changes because he is he's happy with the rhythm of the game that sort of thing clearly not happy with with how the players were what what the mood of the players was against Chelsea as much as the performance um but what he did was he turned back to the tried and tested method that uh, that had frustrated against Everton Do you, like it's yeah. really odd yeah, well, it's, it's odd in the, sen- in the sense that it, well, it frustrated people against Everton, but it didn't really frustrate him. I think as much as I've rabbited on throughout this podcast to explain all this and hopefully been able to follow, um, I think this, there's a fairly easy way to sum this up. And it sums up the difference in the Everton subs and the Chelsea subs. And it's not just the Everton subs, but basically all the games when, you know, like Palace away last year when it was 0-0. And it, did he not make any? He didn't make any. Yeah. Uh, and it's those kind of things. He had the control against Everton. He didn't want to lose that control because you think if you bring on too many players, it sends a message to the other ones who are on, okay, we're going for this. And all of a sudden you've got problems or you could have problems in the just worst a, case scenario. Just but a against thought, Chelsea, a on that, they didn't have control. So he made the subs to put it in to, place. To get control. A thought on that though. Uh, it, does it matter that, because I don't think Everton were trying to get control of the game. Would that matter? But then you've got the counter, you got, if you've got space to counter attack into. They, I mean, could, again, they, they could do it. Yeah, They could do it. If all of a sudden you're like just like spamming balls into the box or whatever, you know, just you're going for it and you're making kind of more rash decisions, or maybe as Guardiola would term them rash decisions, you know, maybe we're, this is the thing, isn't it? We're sitting here on the outside going, go for this, like tear at them. You've only got five minutes left or whatever, like do it. Guardiola's thinking, well, we need to do it, but we need to do it. We can't do it like that because if we do it like that, this could happen. And again, this is maybe his paranoia. Maybe this is his kind of worst case scenario thinking. But that's basically how it is. You know, if Everton didn't look like they were going to try and get something from the game, and maybe they wouldn't have wanted to counter attack. But if you've got an opportunity to break with, let's say, a, a three on two, like that Adama Traore goal, he got two at City a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah. The second one. Like Wolves had already got there. Wolves were already winning, weren't they? One nil. Yeah, it was already one nil. They they so, had some. So you don't need any more. Yeah. You don't need any more. You don't need to go again. Oh, they've given the ball away. It wasn't even on the edge. It wasn't even on the halfway line, was it? It was the edge of the city box. I think it was close to the edge of the city box. Um, the edge of the Wolves box. City were attacking, and Wolves were like, oh, "Well, look at this. We're going to do this." <laughs> like, of course you would. So I think that that's part of it. We we say, "Oh, Everton weren't doing this. They weren't doing that. They weren't doing this, and they weren't doing that." Because partly because they didn't want to, fine, but partly because they, they just didn't have the opportunity to. Because yeah. City did have control of that game. They were lacking other things. But then Guardiola's thinking, "Well, if we try and fix what we're lacking up here, we might be lacking even more and lose." When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Well, just on that, Sam, and the subs against against Chelsea. Let's uh, I, I, obviously we've talked at length about um, Grealish and Mares and the reasons why why they were introduced. What what did it say that he took the fullbacks off? Just that Walker and, and Cancelo weren't really yeah, they ready. Weren't at it, were they? Is that, is yeah, that yeah, it? yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, Rico Lewis, can you believe? Can you believe how much he's playing? Can, you, can you imagine when, being an eighteen? So just turned eighteen and being Guardiola's go-to guy. Like, uh, well, the thing that's the thing it's like I'm always whenever I talk about this I talk about it from the kind of lens of I can't believe how much Guardiola's playing him and then obviously you could say I can't believe how good he is but from my point of view is if I'm saying I can't believe how much Guardiola's playing him as an 18 year old defender who's only just turned 18 that shows how good he is and more importantly how good Guardiola thinks he is like Foden was barely starting Premier League games at the age of 18 would he have, barely would that have only been... games at the age of 20 <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. However old he is now, but yeah, it's unbelievable. Like you play in the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup if you've got like Rotherham at home or like Swindon away or something. If you're lucky, and then you might play in a Champions League dead rubber if you're lucky, or you might come on for five minutes at a Premier League game if you're lucky. You went like like I said last week. If you don't start away Leeds, at Leeds. Yeah, if he's playing him away at Leeds, he'll play him anywhere. Because it's not just because, you know, Walker's not ready, Cancelo's not ready, because he would have bent over backwards to play a Kanji at right back or some, some, something would have happened to not play an 18-year-old if he didn't think this 18-year-old is not just good because the players the City are producing, all the players that have come through the City Academy in recent years who have played but aren't there anymore and may come back, may not come back, like Doyle and, and Harwood Bellis, players who, you know, played quite a bit, but then obviously they've gone alone because there was no more opportunities for them. They're good players, bloody good players. Do you know how amazingly good Rico Lewis must be for Guardiola to be like, yeah, you can play there. And then also, we need something at this Chelsea game. I'm bringing you on at half-time. It's unbelievable. And he, again, Guardiola said after the game, he's got the ability to make other... He goes, he's got the ability to make his mates play better, which is like something he normally says about like Gundogan or Bernardo. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like, how good is this kid? How good is this kid? Yeah. And obviously, like, the thing is, it's interesting now, isn't it, against Chelsea? Because it's the FA Cup. It matters a bit less. And it's an opportunity now. You'd play Walker and Cancelo again, wouldn't you, to get that match fitness and the match rhythm in, in their legs. But it's like, it's just like Walker can't... It's, yeah, it's not so much like Walker had his chance, is it? It's like it's not like you had your chance and you blew it. He just he just wasn't ready. Yeah, so you're playing like against it. get ready. But you'd, you'd play Lewis against Chelsea because he kind of deserves it and earned it. But yeah, I suppose you'd need... Would you, would in that you... way of balancing the squad for the games coming up, you can't go into the United game with Walker being on the bench for two games, having played no, forty-five was... rusty minutes at Chelsea. It'd be not, like it wouldn't work. So he is going to play, but the, the Lewis, thing is, it's the, unbelievable, the, Lewis. The fixtures as well lend themselves to to a little bit of fit, fitness right now because again, it's two cup competitions. One of them exactly. is Southampton, bottom of the table. Um, yeah, it's away from home, but they are a team that is is really struggling at the minute. I can see, I can see. Cancelo and Walker and Lewis just kind of sharing the the 180 minutes across those two games in however you know yeah. however way they do it and it just then just getting Walker ready for the derby. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, I suppose the other thing about the Chelsea game last night because we talked about it, like, I didn't realise you know there was a clamour inside the stadium for width and you know Foden to be on his nutter side of that and also a slight tangent to that tangent. You know, when you mentioned how, you know, Grealish and Morris, they come inside 
obviously that's a part of the whole control thing as well, isn't it? It's kind of bringing the game inside. So at least if the ball's inside and you lose it there, you've got lots of bodies There's inside. A lot more players, and you yeah. Can for- and you can get the ball back or you can force them out wide when they're counter-attacking, that kind of thing. It the, the tangent to the tangent is that reeks of 1920, doesn't it? When Fernandinho wasn't playing in midfield and Rodri needed a bit more help. So it was just, we're just going to gum up the middle of this pitch and it's going to look horrible. But, and there's not, like, poor old Sterling's just getting crowded out, but at least De Bruyne is creating stuff and Cancelo was creating stuff as well. And that was just how it was. And it, it's kind of similar to that now, but it's obviously evolved to the point where nobody's... Re- is anybody really complaining about inverted wingers anymore? I suppose they are, but it's just a yeah. different name, isn't it? It's just Maris and Grealish, which maybe because that's what I fucking called it and it feels bad for them. Um, but yeah, the other thing is, it, I sort of didn't realise there was that clamour for width. But that system last night against Chelsea, it didn't work. I'm not saying it worked. But I don't I don't want to see the baby thrown out with the bathwater. That's a, well, that's a pretty, there's a lot of things to like in that setup. I didn't, and I didn't even realise that people wanted width. Well, what, what width. I... What I found interesting about the setup initially is that we looked at it and went, "Well, that's a normal setup," and then the team comes out and plays. And yeah, it's like, oh no, 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 it didn't. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, obviously, I, I kind of noticed it, but there was a. Do you remember when Walker? It was just before that Stones tackle, actually, on Pulisic. So about what seventeen minutes in, because Walker and Cancelo had gotten a mix-up, and obviously, I'd realised Walker was playing on the right of that back three as it was, and Cancelo was wide. Oh yeah, like at Anfield, blah blah. blah. But I was like. When they kind of got that mix up together, I was like, fuck me, they're on the same side. Like, what are they doing? What are they both doing there? It just looks so weird. Um, but yeah, they, so there's a lot of good things. You've got your width. I mean, okay, Cancelo on the right, nobody's really clamoring for that, but you've got width there. And I don't know, if you're asking Cancelo to do more attacking rather than defending, good on paper. I like that. Um, Foden on the left, everyone wants that. Haaland, obviously, in the middle, great. In the midfield, you've got Bernardo and Rodri holding. Yeah, great. Options for build up, you know, you got op- extra options there. Gundogan ahead and De Bruyne. So you got all four of them in like a box shape. All four of your best midfielders on the pitch, brilliant. And you've still got width and wingers and Haaland, amazing. And then you've got three fast defenders strung out across the back. So also you've got loads of bodies in the middle in case they lose the ball. You've got many who are capable of controlling the tempo of the game in terms of Rodri, Bernardo, and Gundogan. And you've got De Bruyne, and you've still got Foden, and you've still got Cancelo width, and you've still got three defenders. I've on paper that sounds brilliant. And it, it just didn't work. Though, didn't it? That's... <laughs> it didn't work because it didn't work partly because Cancelo was just. Well, I don't know whether he was confused by it or he just had a bad night and it was after the World Cup. A combination of the two things, maybe an extra thing as well that we don't know about and never will know about. Hypothetically, maybe. And obviously, Rodri kind of sh- struggled with the um, the hybrid thing that he had to do, and obviously the lack of pace. If you were to do that. Uh, another ground against another team with another fast forward, you know, maybe it would get exploited more. So maybe that's not the way to to go with it. But it's interesting that Guardiola changed all that and took out Grealish and Mares. But went okay. Well, we're gonna. This is it. He's still he, uh, to me. He's still trying to find ways to get the control to accommodate Haaland and have City having control and Haaland getting in the box and getting chances. And this was it. It was like okay. Well, we're gonna. Again, this is what I, this is my perception of it. And he said they'd set up a formation that would give them options in case Chelsea played with a back five. And maybe it was as simple as that. Because if Chelsea played with a back five, I guess you push Gundogan and, and Haaland in, sorry, Gundogan and De Bruyne into that front line, either side of Haaland, and you've got the two wide men as well. Then you've got five men up there. And he, he, there's other ways that you can counteract a Chelsea back five and outnumber it. And maybe that's all he wanted. But it's like, 
it seems like he's still going for that control there, but in a completely different way. He's still looking for ways to have that control, but still dominate the game. And it's this ongoing process. But then, yes, he didn't like it. He said after 20 minutes, and only because he said, you've got to give them 20 minutes to try and actually play well. But after 20 minutes, they went, yeah, this isn't working. And he said he wanted to bring on Mahrez during the first half because of Cancelo's struggle. Um, and it's just interesting that he went back to those those players so quickly. But if you look at it, the shape was the same in the second half. They still had the three defenders at the back. You had the two hold, you had two holding midfielders, but one was Lewis coming inside. And uh, Akanji was just a permanent centre-back. He didn't have to kind of... You know, he didn't have to go anywhere. Roger didn't have to go anywhere. So they were kind of more comfortable with that. So you've still got the three defenders at the back, the two holding midfielders in front. You've still got Gundogan and De Bruyne on, and you've still got the three forwards. But the three forwards are now Grealish, Haaland and Mahrez, rather than Foden and Cancelo. So it it was the same kind of shape, but it was just partly, a small bit of it was players were more comfortable with their roles and what they needed to do. But it, it was just the types of actions that the players have to do. And it's interesting because I thought, there was a few times yesterday, I thought, is Haaland holding back a bit here? And like, is Foden, as a result, like, is Foden being told as well? Because somebody tweeted me and they said, there's no runs in behind with this formation. And I was like, well, that's interesting because it's not the personnel. Because with this personnel, you get runs in behind. They'll do that. But obviously Haaland, Sky were making a big deal of Haaland not getting many touches. But he was dropping deep a lot to look for it and there was a couple of times obviously there were times when he was in the box and he was attacking and like he was close to getting on the end of stuff and stuff was getting cleared in front of him but there was a couple of times when I don't remember specifically when but I remember thinking he wasn't kind of attacking the box in the same kind of way there and I wonder well, the, if that's part of this control as well like if you don't go and leave that gap if the goal, if the goal was said the to example, you, you stay yeah. there well yeah exactly and the, the goal was the example because Grealish said afterwards on Sky didn't he this is why I loved yesterday's game because there was just so many insightful things being said. Grealish said to Haaland after the goal, he was like, where were you then? And Haaland, and this is something I can use for Haaland thing later on in terms of how intelligent he is because we would think, well, he's always going to attack the box because he loves scoring. We always say he wants to score every single goal ever scored in history. He told Grealish, well, everyone else was going, so I hung back. Yeah. Which is very interesting. So again, that obviously wasn't Pep's instruction then. That was just his own instincts. But I did, I did wonder... This is a suggestion for me rather than an answer. I did wonder if there were times yesterday when Haaland was kind of hanging back a bit more in the first half and so was, you know, Foden wasn't really pushing in behind because I thought it's all part of this control thing. And even though it's Foden and it's Haaland and they've got this instinct to go, maybe Pep said, can you not go so much? Can you hold it here? And that starting lineup was an attempt to have control, but just in a different way because you can, you know, it's not... It's not Grealish and Mares or Shambles. Like that's that's not. It's not a binary. What I'm yeah, suggesting yeah. it's not what Guardiola thinks, but it's just obvious, isn't it? Going back to so many insightful things from last night when they didn't have control, and you know Guardiola doesn't make subs. He's slow to make the subs and blah blah blah. Slow to change the game. When they didn't have control, it was no. This is we need control, and this is how we're doing it. And it was Grealish and Mares, and obviously it was. He was just fixing at half time the problems with the players not being comfortable with their roles which is just sensible yeah. um, so yeah Grealish well, Mahrez so- control personnel instructions is what they, how they use the ball and that's the thing like before, again before the game on Sky the pundits were talking and it, I can't remember if it was Carragher or Karen Cartley but they're both good and they're both interested in what they say and they said oh, oh, Grealish is a great player like, if this was Carragher he was like but it would be Foden every time and I can't remember what, I can't remember which of them said yeah, Grealish is great and he does this and he does that but if you want goals and assists 
then like Foden's your man. And it's like, well, obviously, obviously Guardiola wants goals and assists, <laughs> but it's it's not that, is it? You know, it's that's it's bigger that's picture, not the yeah. full story. And it was all, and it was funny because Carragher was saying before the game, oh, you know, you should play Foden over Grealish. Like every day, you know, because of this kind of thing. And then after 20 minutes, he was like, shit, you've got no control here. And it was like, oh, do you fucking think? Like, <laughs> and, and again, it's not, that's not blaming Foden, but it's just, can you, like, do you see now, this is the whole, this has been my point for the last few months, but specifically in this last like 10 days or so. Like, do, you, do you see now, and I'm not, I'm not even championing it. I'm not even saying this is the best thing. This is the best way for City to play. Christ, I'd love them to just tear through teams. See what happens. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter to me if if City win some like some games five three, but don't win the title because they've lost other ones three two. It doesn't actually matter to me. It would be quite fun, I suppose, to see the alternative. But I'm just saying, look, this is according to the man who's in charge of the whole thing and the man who delivers these titles. This is what he wants to do, and this is why. And just like there's no point in talking before the game. Oh, we could play Foden for goals and assists. It's like that's that is missing the point, really. Or yeah. Well, and then obviously the game goes as it goes on and with Guardiola's constant quest to to get that control. But obviously the way it panned out, it didn't go well. But like I said before, it, it's a pretty unusual system, isn't it? And you know, yeah, maybe yeah. he'll bring it back at Old Trafford or the Emirates or something. But if he tweaks it and he doesn't have to have Rodri doing that dual role where he can get caught out by pace. And if Cancelo's having a better night, there's no reason that can't work. I, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to like with that. Yeah, and, it, well, and it's an alternative. It's an alternative to for, uh, to Mahrez and Grealish, and it's, it gives people a lot of the things they want to see. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's talk about um, the ending to the game, Sam, because I can't decide Ooh. if it was uncharacteristic panic stations from everyone, and they just kept booting it like anywhere will do style. Uh, despite the average age by that stage of the game, the average age of Chelsea being about fourteen, um, or if actually they just did well because they like Chelsea didn't create, I don't remember Chelsea creating a chance. Edison, you know, as far as I can remember for the last kind of 10, 15 minutes, the only way Edison got involved was by sprinting out to the halfway line. Yeah. There was that one, wasn't there where they counted and Chuck Rumaker, who really impressed me by the way, Chuck Rumaker, when he came on for Pulisic, um, I was thinking this, this guy's good. And then he ran through the middle and he laid out wide to Hall, who came. Oh, on and the he left booted back. it over and, the bar. Yeah. And Hall was good. Hall was good at um, the Etihad when he played in the Carabao. Um, and then yeah, he and it, but yeah, he got in, and that was a good chance, and he, he put it over the bar. Um, but yeah, but it was just more they didn't have control at the end of the game. And then if you're talking about parallels, like that was the interesting thing about the Leeds game. In my article, I was like, it's a good night for the Grealish and Myers thing because fans have seen now the City can score three goals and Grealish can get assists with those two in the team. But it's also a bad night because the last 10, 15 minutes, not necessarily through their own fault, but the game got really stretched and there was loads of chances and that's not what Guardiola wants. And it was kind of similar last night. But after, normally, when City score against any team, I remember when they played Forest earlier in the season and for the first 15 minutes, it was just a relentless City performance. It was so impressive. They were attacking left, right, centre, Forest couldn't get out. They had no hope. And it was just a goal was coming. And then City got the goal. And all of a sudden, Forest had like two chances to equalise. But what is going on with football? Like how this team that has been battered for 15 minutes had no answer. Now they're having a bit of possession and they're getting the ball in the box and they're having chances. That's just football. It's how it works. And when you play against a team like Chelsea, you expect that to happen. But normally, City ride it out after like two, three, four, five minutes. And then they're in control again. But the last 20 minutes last night was horrible. Like in the last probably 15, the best thing that City did was... When they had the chances to break, 
Grealish got fouled, and then a few few minutes later, Mares got fouled, and whoever did the fouling, both of them got booked. Yeah, and it, and it just helped City slow the game down a bit. But again, after the Grealish one, they had the free kick, lost it. Chelsea came again into a situation when it was the same situation but on the other side, and Mares got fouled, and then and that fortunately for City was it because that was like ninety three and a half minutes. They took twenty seconds to take it, and then by the time they took it, it was full time. But yeah, it was. That's why I said after the game, City don't have a lot of matches where the most important thing is the result because they're not normally coming off a, a game where it's it's panic stations, is it? But obviously, if City hadn't have won last night after the Everton game, and then you start bringing in the Brentford game as well, then it starts to be panic stations, and that brings us back to the start of it. Really, it's like, well, the the win was the most important thing, but if they play like that again in the next couple of league games, they're in big trouble. But obviously, if they did just get the win, and Guardiola, again, he was like, it's good for the mood. You know, it's good for how we feel. It's good for, he didn't say the vibes, but you know what I mean? You can imagine. Just going back to Manchester with that win is going to be a big help. Um, so, yeah, the, the, obviously the hope for City now is the win was the most important thing. And they, they go and... They go and... Um, Start playing well again, but then you know, playing well is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Because if it's Grealish and Mahrez again at Old Trafford, it might look ugly, but then yeah. they might win. And then what's more important? <laughs> it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it? But then he might play that kind of he might play that kind of mad thing again, where you've got players everywhere. But it might work. It, yeah. It's 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 just it's this ongoing battle to have stuff, control yeah. and to have and to fit Haaland in at the same time. Yeah, um, I want to finish. It's just an ongoing battle, and it's fascinating. I want to finish uh, this week, Sam, with a final word on John Stones um, because uh, man of the match, absolutely deserved it. Man of my heart, love him to bits. Um, yeah. I, I, you weren't in the you, because you weren't in the game. Uh, you might not have uh, have heard about this, but uh, when Guardiola gave his press conference uh, after the game, uh, the City players could be heard through the uh, press conference wall uh, chanting Johnny Johnny Stones at him. That's brilliant. Um, again, I should watch more games on Sky. Because I've picked up so many of the interview things. Also, I should, I've, I've been Twitter off as far as possible because it does my head in. But it is very useful for stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, cheers, cheers, Elon. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's not. It's cheers to humanity <laughs> for being dicks all the time without having a day off. That's the that's the thing basically. Uh, not necessarily to me, just to each other, and then you have to read it, and it's just negative. And but, uh, but that's great. Um, but again, like. They they do sing for each other, don't they? And you know, it was again if we were applying narratives to things that that um, the game at Chelsea in early uh, September 2017 when they played Chelsea off the pitch, De Bruyne scored that goal. I think they're all singing De Bruyne's name in the changing room afterwards, and the, like the rest is history, kind of thing. Um, yeah, but I mean, they 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 are just a they're a really good group, aren't they? And you know, there's there's things that kind of affect it as the the season goes on, and players who are less happy and and more happy and whatever and you know, there's stuff going on in a minute which is maybe not ideal they, but they always kind of work through it don't they and they are a really kind of strong group and even in the past when a large percentage haven't necessarily done it for the manager they've done it for themselves and they've done it for each other and again after Fernandinho's gone after Jesus has gone after Zinchenko's gone who were good guys for the group they're still doing this and they're still, still strong tr- yeah. they're still strong and you know, Silver's gone, and they're still controlling games. You don't have to worry about going. Oh well, Silver's there. There's no. They're still doing it. Like it's mad, really. Like company's gone years ago. They have still got that leadership. Like they're they're ticking along. There was a bit of a blip in 1920, but you know, when everyone was kind of finding that their roles in the team without company being around and like, without Delph even, they're still going. 
and all all these things is look it's it's only just taken until just now for me to realize all these good dressing room figures are gone all these good lads who are good for the mood in the environment they're gone and they're still going right it's a it's a strong group on and off the pitch and i mean yeah i, I don't i don't care what the gap is to arsenal you know there's a long way to go and I saw a tweet last week saying, oh, City have got, you know, in the context of having just drawn to Everton and not played particularly well, or not looking like they played particularly well, oh, they've got Chelsea and they've got Man United, they've got Spurs and they've got Arsenal. So, yeah. Do they not normally play better in these games? Yeah, go and win them. Like, you could read that tweet and think, bloody hell, they're in trouble. Or you think, bloody hell, people are going to remember just how good the City team are. Yeah. yeah, It's it's a different complex. You look at that run of fixtures. I mean, um, a couple of Spurs. I mean, it, now it's Southampton United, Spurs, Wolves, Spurs. You know, come out of that and and win. I mean, even if you get knocked out of one of the cups, but win all the all the league games, and yeah, yeah, yeah. like the table looks completely different. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, we'll, we'll get into this later on. I'll, in terms of my expectations of those games, I think City could beat Chelsea. Yeah, to be honest, I thought it would be more comfortable than it was, but yeah, I did. Can they beat United? United are playing well at the moment, but yes, weird should, things happen they, against they Spurs, though, mate. But this is what I'm coming <laughs> on to: weird things happen against Spurs. Spurs aren't good. They they're always going two 0 down. Go go two 0 down against City. What happens? Well, oh. if it, if it's Spurs, they probably win the game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but that's the thing; they probably won't go two 0 down. But Spurs are not good. But I'm not making any predictions about those. Games. But yes, <laughs> overall, when I saw that tweet and it was like, oh, they got these. Doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. You'd you'd almost be more alarmed if they were playing against five teams who were going to park the bus. Like, yeah, these these teams, you know, with the way Arsenal played, the way Arsenal played even last season on New Year's Day and. The way Spurs played against City, the Etihad in February, they're going to pose problems. But you know, City is City. You know, they they know how to they know how to get through these games. And I mean, basically, it's a run I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm not so much. But there <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's Why Are We Us. Thank you as ever to Sam Lee. Thank you very much, and hopefully you all kind of stuck with that and enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can sign up to the Athletic right now for two pounds a month for twelve months. Just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.